Welcome to Grace River Church, located in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Our mission is to see every generation experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives. We hope you enjoy today's message. Dr. Breon, that's a powerful testimony, brother. And I do encourage you, um, listen, we're in this. And this is a powerful opportunity for you to be able to be a part of something bigger than us. And I encourage you to see my brother after the service. And I know he has all that information, but the class he was referring to, we're actually doing right here. Uh, we, Grace River is the Virginia Beach campus for, for BBI. Amen? Vanguard Bible Institute. So the classes will be here, so I encourage you to be a part of that. I also find it incredibly interesting that he shares that testimony. I love it when you can brag on God. Because there's something about hearing the word and needing to be obedient. That's all the word of God is. So I want to ask you a question this morning. What is it that's stopping you from being obedient? That thing, that thing in your life that you've been wrestling with, maybe God spoke to you years ago, or maybe God has been speaking to you recently, and, and something's been rebirthed, something's been rekindled, or, or quite honestly, you don't raise your hands on this one. It could be that <clears throat> there's something you've been wrestling with, and you don't really want to make a decision on it. But the Lord has a way of doesn't the Lord have a way of just knocking on your door occasionally? Usually about 3 o'clock in the morning. Can I get a witness on that? So, so what is it that's stopping you from being obedient? What is it that's stopping you from taking that next step? What is it that's stopping you from going full out for God? I want to talk about that for a few minutes this morning. We started a series a few weeks ago called Write This Down. And it's based out of <clears throat> Revelation chapter 21, where God is saying, I will make all things new. Behold, all things will be made new. He's already told us that he will wipe every tear from our eye. In other words, there's coming a day when all this will be as God intended, new heaven and a new earth. We're a new creation through Christ Jesus now, but there's going to be a glorified body. We're all going to live with him eternally. And he turns to John and he says, write this down. This is trustworthy. This is true. And what he's simply saying, because when you look at the whole word of God, can I, can I clarify something very quickly? Sometimes we look at the word of God and we get really confused because it's so thick. And we think, I've got to know all that? Here, know this, here's the condensed version. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. From Genesis to fall to Revelations, I will make all things new. That's the point of what God is trying to do in your life. Get you to see that there's a Savior. And that was the second week, there is a way. We talked about the fact that Jesus Christ is the way last week. And, and today, if we can really trust the word of God, if we believe that Jesus is the way, and I say that even knowing that there are still skeptics, there are still some, and you possibly may be here this morning, and we invite you to be here. Um, you wouldn't be human if you didn't question. There, there's really two types of people I've met. There's the real emotional people. You know any of them? Don't look around, but do you know any of them? 
they're the kind of people that if the music's really good, yeehaw, let's go with it. Jesus, yes, I'm all about it. I'm all about Jesus. But then something doesn't feel good next week, and I don't know where Jesus went, but I'm not feeling it anymore. I just don't feel it. But then there's the intellectuals, if you will. I'm not saying people that are emotional are not intellectual. But you know what I'm saying, right? There are those who things have to make sense. And if it doesn't make sense, I, the Bible doesn't make sense to me. When I look at the heavens, I, I need science. Two plus two needs to add up to four for me. I can't believe in this God I can't see. I understand that. You're welcome here because we all need each other. The emotional people, the, the people that two plus two need to equal four, we understand that because it all can come together. But even in coming together, it's a walk by faith. Now, I say that because Jesus, and through the word of God, he's constantly saying, you can trust it. You can trust it. There's a way. But today, I want to talk to you about the fact that obedience is better. There's things in my life, you ready? There's things in my life that I still wrestle with, but obedience is better. There's stuff in my life, I know you don't, just we're, let's just talk about me for a few minutes. There's stuff that I wrestle with, but obedience is better. I, I want to look at 1 Samuel, and, and we're going to not be too long this, this morning, because I really do want you to take an act of faith at the end of the service and we're going to do all this together <clears throat> but in first samuel and i just want to read this and as i set this up <clears throat> samuel has come to saul dr brian you really hit something on the head this morning because he's given saul one last chance saul had already been dis disobedient before and see disobedience does a lot of things guys disobedience causes you to get sidetracked disobedience causes a brokenness in relationship disobedience will cause a lack of productivity disobedience will call a lack of focus disobedience will call a lack of, of passion and it certainly will cost us our blessings that we have in Christ Jesus so he's, he's basically if you will saying to Samuel tell Saul one more chance And he says, I want you to go down and I want you to strike Amalek. Now, this is the Old Testament, okay? How many know that the Old Testament, you get killed in the Old Testament? Right? He said, now go down and strike Amalek. Strike Amalek. And I'm just setting this up. I don't even know if this is in the uh, bullets this morning. Um, devote yourself to its destruction. Now, why, why is this important? If you go back to Exodus, uh, Moses has this battle with the Amalekites and he sends Joshua down and this is where Moses has to hold up his hands and her and Aaron hold up his hands long enough to receive the blessing of the Lord so they can continue to fight the battle because the Amalekites were they were sneaky they were always sneaking up behind they were always attacking from the rear in other words your past if you don't deal with it always catches up with you and it did and it was very destructive Listen, sin and loss of relationship with Christ is not gentle. 
the Amalekites would always come and to the children of Israel, any, anything they got their hands on, they would destroy. And so God told Moses, write this down on a scroll and make sure Joshua doesn't forget about it. There's going to come a time when we enter into to the promised land. I am going to have them wipe them out, but write it down so he doesn't forget it. And even in the book of Deuteronomy, it says they will be wiped out. They should be wiped out. So Samuel goes to um, Saul and he says, do not spare them. Kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and... Now this is the preacher talking. This is Samuel. God said, destroy them, everything. Ox, sheep, camel, donkey, everything. Now let's read in chapter 15. It says, And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Hivala as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatted calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. Now you see the picture here. They go in to destroy, but they only destroy what they don't want to keep. Now, let's just go a little bit further in the story. Uh, Samuel hears about this, and he, he grieves powerfully all night. The Bible tells us that God grieved. Now, listen, God doesn't make mistakes. He just grieves when you make mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. He, he just grieves when we don't get it right. Now, there's a New Testament. We're going to get there in just a few minutes. Thank the Lord for Jesus. I mean, right? But what we see here is there, there's a man who has an opportunity to do what's right in the eyes of God. And we do the same thing. Because what happens is we're, we're called to take a step, whatever that step looks like for you. We're called to take a next step. But instead of obeying God fully, we say, well, you know, this isn't too bad. I'll keep this part. And this isn't too bad. I can pick a little bit of this up, and it won't really matter. After all, God has blessed me to be here. Samuel finds out. Samuel comes to him, and Samuel says, What have you done? First of all, has anybody ever been uh, caught in the act of disobedience? Okay, three people are honest this morning. The rest of you are disobedient. Can I ask you a question? What is obedience? What is obedience? In the Old Testament, the, the word is very simple. It just simply meant you hear something, it makes sense, intelligibly, and you do it. You do it. It doesn't mean it has to make sense that you understand it. It means you hear the word of the Lord, it's clear, and you do it. That's obedience. But in the New Testament, it has more of how we invite ourselves to understand obedience. And that is 
there's someone in greater authority that we submit to. We submit ourselves to that authority. So now, even in the New Testament, we understand that there's a submission involved. Do we really live in a world that embraces submission? Some of you don't even like the fact that I'm talking about this this morning. You're clogging your ears on purpose. I'm not submitting my hearing to that. Let me just break this down because when you look at this as conformity, there's the obedience of conformity, there's obedience of legalism, and there's obedience of relationship. What does that mean very quickly? Well, conformity is this. We obey out of fear. This, in its simplest state for me personally, is you're driving down the interstate at the speed that you normally drive, okay, which means if I had wings, I could fly, right? And you get to the place where you're passing a car and you suddenly see a state trooper sitting in the median and you instantaneously break out in a sweat and you start praying, Lord, you will deliver me right now I will never speed again because we all know that feeling right you're you're passing someone and we say pastor I never speed well whatever it is the thing that you do whatever that thing is because we all know that feed we obey out of fear we don't want to do time we obey out of fear we don't want to have to pay a ticket we obey out of fear we don't want to have to get in trouble but then there's legalism. What does that look like? <clears throat> legalism is what we put the law above the commander. Now, that, that just simply means that God has given us his law, but we make the law even more important than God. That, that's why you have uh, religious leaders getting mad at Jesus. Now, Jesus is transforming lives, but on the Sabbath. We can't have that. That's against the law. That's when people have put the law above. And see, it's easier when you're legalistic because then you don't have to keep the law. You can just make sure everybody else does. See, it's easier for me to pick on other people for keeping the law because it's, you know, I don't have to, but they do. That's legalism. But then there's relationship. And what is the, the obedience of relationship? Jesus said it like this in John 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll follow me. If, if we're in relationship, now listen, this is not, you know, listen, if, if you're married or you've been married, you know this is applicable fractions of the time. Because there's many times in any married relationship where you're obedient, whether you like it or not. Right? Hey, give me an amen. You know I'm right. No, I, I'm obedient because I always love her. Well, yeah, but that's not, that's not what uh, is exactly going on all the time in your thinking. There's a lot of times when I'm making the bed or vacuuming. Yes, I make beds and I vacuum. There's a lot of times that I make beds and I'm vacuuming, and all I'm thinking is, I hate this. <laughs> but I'm just doing what I was told because I, I want to eat later. And I, I want to be able to have a decent conversation without being reminded of what I didn't do. Amen? But, but here, here's the reality. In most cases in, in our relationship, I, I do what I told because I love her. 
I do know we're going to eat together next. I do know we've got a lunch. I love her. But Jesus is saying, come on, I want to relate. God is saying, I want a relationship with you. I'm not giving you a list of rules because I'm going to show you who's boss. Do you think he would really have a hard time showing you who's boss? Do you think he would really have a hard time throwing down? God is saying, I want a relationship with you. And then that relationship is obedience. See, disobedience means disrespecting who has commanded you to follow. That, that's why when you disobey children, when you disobey moms and dads, when, when you disobey, you're basically saying to whatever has given you, that, whatever authority has given you that demand, command, whatever it may be, you're basically saying, I know better than you. I don't care about you. I'm doing it my way. Now, you don't think that in your mind, but guess what the commander thinks? Why did they do that? That wasn't the order. That wasn't what we talked about. They must have decided to just do it their way. Making any sense? Now, here's why it feels uncomfortable. Because we all do it. We all decide, uh, here's how I'll do it. Here's how I'll live it out. I know what the Word of God says, but here's how I'll do it. Amen? <laughs> but God loves us. What does Samuel tell Saul? He comes up to Saul. Now, when, when Saul sees Samuel coming, he knows what happened a few chapters earlier. He had already disobeyed once. So Saul sees Samuel coming. Saul runs to Samuel. And the first thing out of his mouth, I did it. I obeyed. I did what God commanded. And maybe I, I know Samuel had to have a sense of humor because the next thing Samuel said was, well, what's that noise? I hear a noise, and it sounds a lot like sheep to me. I, man, I hear goats. I hear oxen. What's that noise, Samuel? And then the next thing out of Saul's mouth, he simply says this, well, they did it. What do you mean that they did it? You're the king. You're the king. Well, listen, Samuel, I promise, we were just wanting to have a good worship service. That's what he did. Here's how this breaks down. First of all, a couple of things that we do, even when we try to find ourselves in a situation where we have disobeyed, there's denial. You, 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 but I did worship. I did. I, I, I'm denying that there was even an original command. I, I'm, I'm denying that I skipped over. Can, does anybody know that you really can deceive yourself? You can deceive yourself into thinking that what you're doing is okay. You can deceive yourself, and, and it can be standing right in front of you. That's why, that's why people think that if you see a yellow light, drive faster. Because you can deceive. Now, I'm trying to make this, I'm not trying to be silly, I promise. I need to make it so simple because we have so misled ourselves into believing such silliness that to stand up and say, thus saith the Lord, would be such an obvious stand that you wouldn't even see it. But we know the simplicity of, if you see a yellow light, that actually means slow down. I'm, 
if you see a red light, it does not mean speed up. If, if God says, here are my laws. If Jesus says, if you love me, will you obey my commands? Now, this isn't, we're not talking about salvation here. Because salvation is a free gift. You cannot earn salvation. Well, people say, well, if, if we're saved by grace, and if Jesus really loves us, and we're saved by grace, why should it matter if we're obedient? Won't he save us? We're not obedient so we can stay saved. We're obedient because he saved us. When you could not save yourself, someone died for you. His name was Jesus. And because he died for me, I give my life to him. That's why Paul says, listen, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice. That's your reasonable service. That's the least that you can do when you compare to what Jesus Christ has done for you. The least that you can do is say, here I am, Lord, take me. When you say it, Lord, I'm going to follow Every area, by the way, of your life, not just church on Sunday. But we deny. And we say, well, I, I, I really did. I, I followed all the rules. Saul, no, you didn't. What's that sound? But then we deflect. It's their fault. I would have obeyed, but it's them. I would have obeyed God, but my parents raised me the wrong way. I would have obeyed God, but my work situation. There's just too much temptation. I would have lived right, but the circumstances that I'm in, God, just really stink, quite honestly. And I know you want more for your children. Am I making any sense? Um, but then not only is there denial, and we deflect, but, but then, quite honestly, we start doing silly things like defending. For the reason, the reason we kept all the nice cows is we want to have a kick and worship service. And that's where Samuel says, listen, there's a lot in this passage. I'm just touching on this very quickly. That's where Samuel says, listen, it's <clears throat> God would rather have your obedience than your worship. Can I paraphrase that, please? I don't care what you look like on Sunday. Where's your heart? I don't care how well you sing. I don't care if you shout. I don't care if you're charismatic, Baptist, Episcopalian, Wiscopalian. I don't care what you say you are. Where's your heart? Because we can look good on the outside. We can dress up. Uh, I was a part of a funeral yesterday. Had a suit on. Nobody even recognized me. I mean, you can dress up. You can make things look different. But God knows where the heart is. Can I tell you that when you look at 1 Samuel chapter 15, if you go to the very next chapter, because listen, it was in that passage that when Saul had not obeyed, he was done. No more the king. There comes a point in our relationships, in our walk with God. Listen, when you are disobedient to God, it's not that you just broke a command of God. It's, it's somehow, if, if you've lied to someone, there's a trust factor there. If you've done something, and I know, well, I've gotten saved. What about redemption? Shouldn't re I'm redeemed. You're redeemed, but let's see if you can follow the rules. Now, that doesn't fit well, I know, because we want to talk about, I thought we were living by grace. You are living by grace, but if you say you're a Christian, when are we going to start acting like it? When are we going to start acting like it? 
This isn't legalism. It's, do I really love my wife? Do I really love my brothers? Do I really love family? Do I really love people in the church? Or do I just act like it on Sunday? Now, for those, I know, I know this isn't hard preaching. It's just a little uncomfortable. And we always turn the heat up a little bit when I'm speaking. Here's, here's what happens. Paul said this. I believe it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul says, listen, I'm writing you a letter that's pretty, pretty straightforward. I really wouldn't talk to you like that if I was in your face, but I'm writing this letter to you because it's pretty straightforward. You need to understand that you can live above the fray. Now, their response was, who does he think he is? Because they knew if you looked at Paul, you would just see a short, runt, nothing special to look at. Because, see, sometimes we want people that are successful in Christ to look like they're successful. Paul's saying, listen, when you see me, I'm not coming to you arrogantly. What you're going to see when you see me is the same little runt. But when you see me, understand what you may see is a runt, but on the inside, I'm a giant because it's Jesus Christ in me. It's Christ in me. That's how I overcome the temptations. That's how I, when it comes to being obedient, I'm not obedient because I'm all this. I'm obedient because he is all this. And when I'm faced with the circumstances, whether it's the next step in obedience, whether it's fighting a temptation, whatever your next step is, the way I make it is through Christ. Now, what does that look like? Well, for Samuel, it was too late. That's Old Testament. God already had a plan. And here's what I like. When you read the next chapter, it wasn't this long trilogy of poor Saul. It was, there's a guy named Jesse. Go to his house and offer a sacrifice. And Samuel does. And this time, Jesse starts marching his sons through, and he sees Eliab. And Eliab comes through, and he's stout. I mean, he's all that. And Samuel's thinking, okay, this must be the one. And God said, wait a minute, we've already been there. We've already done that. I'm not concerned and impressed with the outer appearance. I'm looking for heart issues. Can I tell you that, that really obedience boils down to heart issues? It boils down to heart issues. And whether we find, our, find ourselves denying that things are happening, or deflecting and blaming it on other people, or just trying to defend why we were doing it. And, and why was it worship? Because well, pastor, after all, he really was trying to worship, wasn't he? Maybe. But the New Testament we read that if you have an offense, we're going to touch on that in a moment, in Matthew chapter 6, 7, and 8. If you have an offense against someone, stop worshiping immediately. And go and make things right with that person. Because nobody cares if you can't make things right. But you know how to worship. That's, that's the biggest challenge with our testimony. Some of you are so afraid. I promise I'm wrapping this up. Somebody say amen. Some of us are so afraid when we say witness to someone. Oh, man, I don't have my story down. I don't have it all down. I don't Forget your story. Just live it. No one would believe your story anyway until you started living it. You know, if, if we tried, if we, if we wrote it down, 
I've been saved for six years. Really? I'm, I'm a believer in Christ, and I believe that he has forgiven me of my sins, and I walk in purity. Who are we talking about here? Now listen, I'm not, this is not, I'm not being critical. I'm not judging. All of sin that comes short of the glory of God. We all make mistakes. You're probably going to make mistakes this afternoon. I made three this morning. But now what's the point? I'm, I've got to keep running back to, know, to knowing who my Redeemer is and not trying to make excuses. Well, I'm, I'm, that's just how I am. Now maybe for you it's a little bit different, but this is what being saved means for me. Can't do that. I can't, um, and, and listen, my wife's sitting right here. <clears throat> She'll tell you that if we are having any issues, now for those of you who never have issues in your marriage, yeah, you obviously don't live with each other, but but my wife will tell you that no matter what's going on in our life, um, at least on Thursdays and Fridays, I'm like, uh, everything I've done this week, would you please forgive me? How, how do I make things right? Why? Why do you do that, Pastor? Because I've got to get up in front of you. I can't, I can't tell you to put Christ first if I'm not putting Christ first. I can't tell you to straighten up if I'm not willing to tell you that sometimes I'm not straightened up. I can't tell you to live right if sometimes I know I struggle with the same things you're going to struggle with, which, by the way, Jesus knows exactly everything we struggle with, but, but he paid the price so we could have that freedom. And so if you're here today and you're too good to ask for forgiveness, that maybe is the first sign that you just need to walk out some obedience. Because, by the way, the Bible does say forgive one another. Well, what's that got to do with obedience? Just take my word for it. Do it. When you read the Word of God, you'll see it's filled. But, Pastor, what if I don't feel like it? That really worked in the Old Testament, too. Um, I don't mean to be sarcastic, but the Word of God never asks anybody, how do you feel about this? And it's not because God doesn't care about our feelings. He just knows what's best. Yesterday, the family's not here this morning, but yesterday... We had a memorial service for Tom Rohr. And as most of you know, if you've been here, uh, Tom passed away of cancer uh, about three weeks ago. And the church that we had the service at was packed out. And we sat there and we listened. But about four weeks ago, before he passed, uh, Tom had sent me his testimony. And I'll be using it in other services, but I, th this morning it just hit me when I was reading over again yesterday. Before he got saved, Tom was a very analytical man. Things had to add up. He was in the Coast Guard and everything had to have its place and be in its place. That, that's just how he thought. So when he thought of a, of a God, the thing he wrestled with the most is, okay, I, I can see this Jesus, but, but God, why would you cause? Why would you allow things? Why? So he wrestled with all these things that, that many of us may wrestle with. Why would you let that happen? I just can't get my mind around it. I've got to understand it. And he said there were times in his life that he would literally cry out. 
God, if you make, make it make sense to me, I'll be a believer. But until then, please just leave me alone. And just how many of you know that God loving you doesn't leave you alone? Tapping you on the shoulder. So what happened? He was sitting in his living room one day, and his older daughter walked in, and she said, Dad, can I please do this, this, and this? And he said, Nope. Why not? Because I said so. She stomped out of the room. And in his heart, he prayed. And he's got all this written out. He prayed. He said, God, I know I'm not being a very good dad, but please help her understand that she's just got to believe me by faith. Even though she doesn't understand right now, ding, 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 ding. He said it was right there. She said, thank you, Lord. I get it. But see, sometimes God will tell you, and you'll just be reading the word, live this way. I don't get it. Nobody else is living this way. I want to have fun. Why can't I live this way? Because I said so. But I don't understand. The just shall live by faith. Follow me by faith. I already know how this turns out. You've got to understand. I've got your future in the palm of my hand. Please understand. Don't turn to the right or to the left, but walk in this way. Follow me. Now, I know how we are in our American culture right now. Well, I'll get away with it. Please understand there are consequences. There are missed opportunities. When I think about Saul, very quickly, there's a, he lost relationships. He lost his position. He lost trust. He lost his potential. He lost his future. He lost any opportunity. More than that, any, any opportunity for his family had been erased. Can I tell you, when you live in disobedience, it's not just about you having fun. It's what you're missing. It's what God is wanting to do but you keep moving in a different direction. It's the purposes God does have for you, but you decide you're going to do it your way. It's the thing that God wants to use you, but you've decided you're going to move in this direction, not really understanding that you move further away from relationship. You move further away from purpose. You don't have to raise your hands on this, but can I ask a question? If you're following after Christ, is, is there a part of your life that just seems always turned upside down and you're miserable and you didn't think that following Christ would be this miserable? Could it be that you're trying to follow Christ on your terms? Could it be that instead of walking out in obedience, you're walking out in self, trying to make sense of this Christian walk? Now, how many want me to close? I'm getting ready to. Ready? Jesus said it like this. If you turn to Matthew, and I'm not going to read through that whole section right now, but Matthew chapters 6, 7, or 5, 6, and 7, we know it as the Beatitudes. But what is, what is Jesus really saying there? If you really want to be blessed, here's how to live. If you want to be blessed, here's how to live. And I mean, for, for several chapters, Jesus has this powerful teaching. He said, if you want to be blessed, Know that you really need God. If you want to be blessed, know that sin is destructive. If you want to be blessed, don't push your own agendas. If you want to be blessed, know that God is the source of all righteousness. 
and that our character is built. What's happening as we walk this out is, is a new creation is constantly being forged in you. My prayer is always that we're not the same people we were last year. My prayer is always that you're stronger, that, that you're spiritually moving in a direction, even through pain and difficulty, that you're always a better person than you were last week, last year. That's what transformation is. You're, God's doing a work in you, and he will not finish it until he comes. But there's character in that relationship. God shows that, that we have blessings when we show mercy to others. When we pursue purity in every area of our life. When we seek the well-being of others in the community. Where we value God about everything. There will be opposition, he says. But you're salt. Make a difference. You're light. Be a light in this dark world. Let your good work shine forth. Don't give in, be given over to anger. Deal with your stuff. Okay? I mean, th that just simply means... If I get mad, anybody get mad? I can, I can throw a fit and pull a muscle at this age, but I could throw a fit. Diane and I have an issue in our neighborhood right now. Anybody have neighborhood issues? We've got an issue. You live in a neighborhood long enough, you'll have issues. So we've got some stuff going on in our neighborhood that's gotten personal and so yesterday, we were sort of laughing about it because I even got up this morning when I was pulling out of the driveway. I thought, man, knowing what I'm preaching this morning, what if they came out? What would I do? And I would just be like, mm, I love you. <laughs> Come here, I want to give you a hug. That would start a whole new rumor in the neighborhood. But that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hug him. I'm gonna, the first time I see him, I'm going to just hug him. I might even kiss him on the cheek, just get something started. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, just get right up there and get busy. Doing what? Preferring him over me. Care more about what he's walking through than me. See, because if truth be known, this issue in our neighborhood, he's struggling. He's in survival mode. I'm just in make the street look nice mode. Right? I've got my own personal agendas. But see, when Jesus said, you want to really be blessed, don't have an agenda. You really want to be, here's a way to live life. But that doesn't sound fair. After all, the law says, I could have that toad. So what? Love him. Can I just rant on this for two more seconds? I'm talking to the landlord across the street because he's complaining about the guy too, and he lives in his house. Listen, here's what he said. He said, did you know that two people died in my house over the last couple years? I'm like, I do now. Um, <laughs> tell me the story. Now, here's the thing. I was upset with me for not knowing that two people across my street died. Simply because if I'm really obedient to the word of God, I love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself and I didn't even know my neighbor now I'm mad at a neighbor that I really want to love if I really walk out obedience you see when you boil things down to a funeral like yesterday nothing really matters guys the stuff you're wrestling with you'll just hear a letter from a man that says I get it trust you Lord 
I get it. I don't understand things now. I trust you. He says, you want to you have a blessed life? Obey me. Deal with your anger. Deal with your stuff. Live in a right relationship. Don't, don't treat people the way you want to treat people. Live right. Because Jesus all boils it down to Matthew 7 when he says this. The man who lives by these words is like a man who builds a house on a rock. And when the storms of life blow, he'll stand. But if you don't obey these words, you're like the man who builds on sand. And when the storms of life blow, because of your disobedience, you have nothing. The ushers are going to be handing out some cards right now. Here's what I want us to do for just two more minutes. But I, I want to challenge you to do it, and, and they're going to hand them out as quickly as they can. I want everyone to take a card, and I want everyone to take a pen. And ushers, you may just have to have a, a handful of cards. Somebody maybe can jump in there and help me. handful of cards, and just start passing them out like manna. Because here's what I want you to write on there. What is that area that, that maybe you've not surrendered? What is that area that just maybe... Now, let me just say this, too. This, you don't have to put your name on anything. You don't have to put your name on anything. And I love you, but you're not as important as you think you are if you think I'm going to go match everybody's writing. Um, don't put your name on it. If you want to put your name on it, that's fine. But here's what I want you to do. God, I know I've not been obedient in this area. Write it down. Write it down. What is that area? I know, God, I've not been obedient because, boom. Uh, Lord, there are things in my life, and, and listen, I know this is very private. That's why I don't want you to write your name. Husbands and wives, turn away from each other. If you're sitting by someone, turn away. But listen, I, I challenge you to do this. You see, tonight at 6 o'clock, every Sunday night this month, we have prayer here at the church. And that's why I encourage you, don't, don't worry about putting your names on it. Just write it down. I'm, I'm needing to be obedient in this area, or I've been disobedient in this area. It might even be, Pastor John, I, I struggle with, with even believing that I need to be obedient. Write it down. Write it down. Why? Because as we talked about last week, he hears us when we call. And we're going to lift these needs up tonight. Every one of them. Every one of them. So I encourage you to write it down. And we're going to sing in just a moment. But before we do, we're going to pray. But as we're singing, I just want you to come and just lay these on the altar. Just walk up, lay him down. Okay, this is a bait and switch. I thought you wanted me just to write something personal. No, listen, I want you to take a step of faith and say, God, here, that thing I've been struggling with, take it. Take it. I, I, I want to try to be better in this area. I want to be obedient in this area. Here it is, take it. But, but then when you lay it down, just know that people are lifting you up in prayer. So that next time you have to face that issue, you will walk through it victoriously.
Would you stand? I'm going to pray. Just continue to write if you need to, but I want to pray with you before we begin to sing. But then as we sing, I do, I want you just to, just to begin coming and laying those on the altar. Just return to your seat. We'll worship, and Pastor Corey will dismiss us. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Lord, for this day, Lord, that we can come to you and hear your word. Lord, the reality is your word at times is really what we need. Not just the times that it feels good, but Lord, the, the times that we're awoken and realize, wow, I'm not as close as I need to be, or, or, or following, I'm just sort of living out a, a feeling, or living out a lie, or Lord, just as our brother shared before the service, there's something I believe in so many of us that you planted years ago, and that even the preparation they've been walking through, they're starting to doubt, they're starting to fear. <laughs> but this morning, it's as simple as, what is it that you've stopped? What is it that you are no longer pursuing? You're not obeying God's voice. Lord, for some, it may be temptation. For some, it may be dealing with stuff, and they're just tired of dealing with it. For some, it's questions. Lord, you already know those that question you. Lord, I pray this morning that they bring their questions. But I pray that we hear the answer. It may be this morning, it may be next week, but Lord, we're just praying. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, as we simply sing this song, we make it a prayer. We need you like never before. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you want to hear more, you can find our entire archive on our website at graceriverva.com. Also, if this message has touched you in any way, we would love to connect with you. Do this by filling out a connection card at graceriverva.com connect. From all of us at Grace River Church, have a blessed day.